Hello and welcome to episode 8 of season 4 of the Three Amigos. Apologies for leaving you high and dry without your Amigos treat last week, but a technical issue stole what was a great podcast with our guy, the Fantasy King 2. I'm your host, Don, and I'm joined, as always, by my Amiga, Kylie. Uh, Amigo Mars, unfortunately, is not with us tonight, as he is on a romantic assignment. I know I might sometimes say that at the best times, just trying to insinuate that, you know, he's um, he's off serving His Majesty's government, um, uh, like James Bond, but um, he is actually on a romantic assignment, so um, happy anniversary, Marsy baby. Um, Kylie, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, hopefully, tonight's show will record no um no hassles but um yeah no last week's podcast was great but um kylie say hello to everyone hi everyone good to be back feels like it's been a while it does but i think these weeks they do seem to be lasting a long long time um i think because the, the game weeks themselves are dragged out so it's uh a bit of an odd one but uh the fbl community is blessed with a lot of great donegal members i'm sure you'll agree Kay, including the aforementioned king paddy it would be fair to claim that donegal in fact is to ireland what norway is to the global community however there's little doubt that tonight's guest is the donegal daddy it's the one and only fbl general welcome back to the three amigos mark Here's Thomas, if you want Donegal Daddy, I hope nobody ever calls me that. Ever yeah. Again. Good to be here. I'm just having a look through my, my call history. It's been about a year and a half since we've done this, so it's it's been way too long. Do you know what? Mars has been begging me for weeks and weeks to come on, and then I do just decide to come on, and he skives off for a, for a dinner. I'm not yeah. having that. Yeah, well, you know what? He won't be having. He Hell won't be, He won't be having the insinuation that he's been. Be- you've been. He's been begging you for weeks, Mark. Either he'll be going. Hang on a minute, Mark. You were reaching out, just looking to get back on the amigos. I know you missed us. Like all these official you know FPL be... shows and all that, they're nothing in comparison to this one. He's going to be sitting there now, enjoying his anniversary dinner with the missus. But really, he's going to be sitting thinking, "I wish I was talking to the general on the podcast right now." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, no doubt he is. He's probably on his um on his phone checking his WhatsApp messages, just wondering if if we've if we've been talking about him at all. But um, as we as we always do, Mark, we um kick off our podcast with a brief review of the previous game week. So um, top amigo generally goes first, and believe it or not, um, I'm kind of in shock at this, but that actually was me this past game week. Um, I ended on sixty eight minus four, so. Um, so it was a, a very rarity for me, which is um, a decent game week. I had a bit of a green arrow. It's um, but I, to be honest with you, from my rank of Mark, I'm four point seven mil, I think beforehand. So now I'm up to about four or four point one million or something like that. So um, nothing to write home about. But um, a green arrow is a green arrow. So I'm happy. Grealish, Wilson, Lamptey, and Chilwell did the business, and Captain Kane at least didn't blank. Um, the two of you guys, I believe, did you actually finish on the same amount of points, 52 points in the last game week? Um, so I'll give it to you, Mark, as our guest. No, it was 50. Oh, was it 50? I'm giving you extra mm. credit, Kay. Sorry, no. Um, well, I'll Mar- take it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, you finished on 52 points, I believe. Uh, tell us briefly about your game week. Yeah, it's nice, nice to start the podcast not being the lowest scorer of the week. So thanks for that, Kelly. 52, bang on average, I think that was 53 this week. I got, all my attackers did well, apart from, of course, my captain. A captain's son over Kane. I think I've had five out of seven captain blanks, probably six out of seven if you count Aubameyang. 
that week he got five, a five pointer. So ten for the captaincy. I've always struggled with captaincy, and it's it's um, it's breaking my heart again so far this season. Defence was a nightmare. Trent, Robbo, Justin, Walker, Peters, absolutely nothing. And I'm still stuck with Ramsdale in goal since game week one. He did get four points, so it wasn't too bad. Overall rank 425k, so I'm pretty happy in a roller coaster season. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely that's, um, that's great. That's great. We were we were talking about someone um, earlier. Was who was it um, who was saying they were 1.5 mil, and we were saying to them to stop bragging on um, on a previous podcast. That's usually mass. Yeah, it's um, usually mass. Yeah, it is. He flags that one in every time. But yeah, um, the um, no, that's not too bad at all, Mark. Now at this stage of the season, you'll definitely be able to kick on from that. Um, Kylie, tell us about your one. Anyway, top 500,000 is like the top 1K now, you know, uh, but for this season. Um, yeah, this game week, it, it was distinctly average. But for me so far this season, that that's almost an excellent uh, thing. So I, I landed on, on 50. Um, what was exciting about this game week was that I actually had some luck. Um, my bench warriors are, are quite well known because it's pretty much the case every season that I never ever get uh, points coming off my bench and yet I do seem to get a lot of points sitting on my bench Um, but I was one of the many size owners um, and I had Lamptey first on my bench now that was a very intentional decision because um, there was a a reasonable risk that that size would be dropped um, and he was so Lamptey came on and he got lucky to actually get the goal in the end. And then Kane was quite lucky to get the penalty. So there were a few things that went my way um, that was quite good. Uh, I did have Kilman for the assist, um, but it, it was kind of feast or famine with with the defence because obviously Lamptey and Kilman did well. But then I had zero for Martinez, who I clearly broke when I brought him in on wildcard because he's done nada since. Um, and I also had Ailing, who I benched last week for his clean sheet naturally um but yeah so 50 for me i'd take it as a a positive that hopefully things are stabilizing oh and i had watkins well with the random penalty yeah with the random penalty at the end but uh you know i think this season i've been definitely looking more at what the trying to beat the average every week as opposed to trying to beat the top 10 kind of average which is what i kind of generally look to when i'm looking at the live score um, is to kind of see if I can, because I want to try to make up ground on those guys. But at the moment, it's pretty much just uh, is try to actually tread water a little bit. Um, some people who are doing a lot better are towards the top of our table in our three amigos FBL Classic League. So I'll give a quick rundown on that. Uh, Flying without Ings, Niall Murphy's team is still in top spot. FBL Mumbai, Harsh Pandya's team is still in second spot. Uh, Crouch Potato, Danny Levine's team is up into third. Henry's All-Stars, Phil Smith's team is up to fourth. And down to fifth place is Brownburn Rovers. That's Lewis Brown's team. A special mention to um, Nick Penwarden, uh, Royal to the Core. Was, um, he was in our top five last week, but unfortunately he um, the, that podcast never made it to the public. So um, I thought I'd give Nick a quick shout out on tonight's podcast. Um, normally this stage of the show, we'd give Mars the microphone to relieve some of his fantasy angst in his rant of the week. But 
in honour of the big man not being here, we'll um, we'll leave that one off to next week and we can all look forward to that. Um, we're going to kick on to our T3A roundtable. So um, on the idea of this is that each amigo gets to pick the, tri- the most pressing FBL topic facing them or the FBL community and we bring it to the T3A roundtable to talk it through with the other amigos. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Kylie, um, and you can pitch us what your question is, and myself and Mark, the general, will see what we can come up with for you. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I think this is one that um, we'll probably see a fair bit of conversation about in the community. Um, Game Week 7 was uh, a bit of a troll fest for for some managers. Um, I've referenced SICE there, and it's sort of in that vein. So, We did have, uh, first and foremost, I guess, a number of surprise benchings. So Ryan, Mopai, Pickford, um, and initially Werner, though he obviously came on later. Uh, Coupled with that was the kind of feared benchings, those ones that we knew were maybe a bit imminent, um, but they all came at once. So Sice and uh, Mitchell. Um, So less surprising. And, And then, of course, there were People would have held on to Rodriguez, who was injured. People would have had Pulisic, who turned out to be injured. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. Tonight, we've just heard that Kai Havertz has tested positive for COVID. Um, so that kind of showcases a, another layer into all of this. So my question in with all of that context is, how much weight should we put on um, those sort of missing missing pieces from this last game week. Do we think it is a sign that we need to bolster our benches? It's something that's been referenced in, in the season, but we're seeing it happen um, now. Or do we think it's probably something we should put down to, you know, just one extreme week um, and, you know, some of them we can dismiss as, hey, we kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. Where do you think we stand on that? I think it's... It really is. Um, I think this this kind of week is not that unusual kind of more mid-season. I think it's the fact that it's happened early in the season and we're all a little bit on high intensity or alert because of the COVID and the risk of COVID you know, positives and players missing out from that. Personally, I, I think that I always this season, I actually went with two playing goalkeepers for the simple reason that I was actually thinking, you know, it'd be one of those ones I didn't want to go wasting a transfer on and I'd rather just spend the 0.5 early um, and then just not have, if one of my keepers went down, that I wouldn't have to go using a transfer to get in a goalkeeper. Other than that, I haven't really done anything different in terms of my midfielders um, or my forwards. Um, You know, I have the usual bargain guys on on the bench um, that I'm not going to be particularly keen on. For instance, with Rodriguez going down or when Antonio goes down or anyone like that, nobody that I'd be majorly wanting to rely on to voluntarily start, but more one that posts a deadline if somebody gets, you know, gets injured or dropped or whatever like that, that will come in and I'll have a playing 11 at least. But um, in terms of the, you know, the droppings and stuff, I think this week was more accentuated due to Antonio, maybe um, Antonio and Rodriguez both going down was kind of two big hits in terms of two big popular players then allied with Sice benching and Mitchell also benched as well. The two of them, they all of them kind of hit the perfect storm, really. Um, but personally, I don't think I'll be adapting my my strategy too much in terms of my outfield players and having players, to, you know, a bit of a headache every week where I'm going to be trying to decide who to start, who to bench 
and looking at some of those torturous points on my bench. And um, what do you reckon on that one, Mark? Do you think that is there a kind of changeover in the kind of strategy? Should we change over or the way we look at our bench, or are you going to pretty much carry on as you were before? I think it's something we've always done anyway. I mean, we want to have at least one, if not two, decent options that can come in and do a job for us. I think we're going to need those guys more so than ever this season. We've seen that already, particularly in game week seven. Now, whereas will I be spending more? I don't think so. I actually made a made a switch a week or two ago. I changed my team structure from a four four two to a three four three. I had Davis from Aston Villa up front as a dud sub, and one of the main reasons I changed to a three four three. Not one of the main reasons, but part part of the reason was to have a better bench. So getting rid of Davis, you know, I got in Watkins. Now I can have two 4.5 million defenders on my bench. And I've been quite lucky this season. The five defenders I picked from game week one, I've had them right up until game week seven. Now I've got rid of one of them this week, which I'm sure will come to. But I kind of, you know, I went for two expensive ones and three 4.5s, Charlie Taylor, James Justin and Walker Peters. And I've been lucky that so far, you know, Justin's kept his place and, and Walker Peters and Taylor were pretty safe picks along with the premium. So I didn't run into the issues of, you know, people like, Saïs and, and Mitchell at the weekend and I think one of the most common things I see when people send me a screenshot of their team to have a look at it, you'll see loads of money in midfield, you'll see loads of money up front and you'll see two, four million defenders you know, I've seen it for the last four or five weeks people will send me a screenshot with Mitchell Kilman and then three other defenders and I always say avoid having two 4.0 million defenders if you can, I know Kilman's gone up in price now as has Mitchell but we're seeing it now people are running into issues, Mitchell's gone you know, Saïs is gone couple of players, you know, Lamptey's missed a game or two as well. So it's, I think the most important thing is it's back to basics in FPL, pick nailed on players in the, in the positions and on your bench as well. And, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm not against people spending maybe an extra 0.5 million on their first sub this season. You know, I still think Suchek's a good one as a first sub, even though he's been disappointing for owners so far. Someone like that, if you need him to come in as your first sub to do a job and, but I'm not looking past the 4.5 million defenders. I think they're very good value. You know, there's always a chance of a clean sheet in certain fixtures if you pick a rotating pair anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not, not going to change my approach too much. Good stuff, Mark. Um, the, speaking of defence, um, I saw a shocking stat, I think, a couple of days ago about Trent being the, t- the 33rd defender in the game ahead of game week seven's uh, Monday Night Football. Um, but, uh, of course, he's only part of the problem. Um, with few clean sheets so far this season in terms of games and with teams that we've come to rely on, attacking returns are really the primary concern when picking our defence. Um, how have you, Mark, found defence this season? And um, also, I'd particularly like your opinion on Chelsea, who seem to kind of really have clicked defensively following the introduction of Mendy and Chilwell. Yeah, like I said, five, my five defenders, I've had them since game week one. So I went for Trent and Robbo, the Liverpool double-up, which has been, it was okay for a couple of weeks, but overall it's been a bit of a night, nightmare. 14.5 million, you know, not many attacking returns or clean sheets there. And then the three, 4.5 million guys alongside it. And overall, until this point, I was, you know, content enough with that. But when Fornal scored that goal against Liverpool game week seven, I just let out a swear at the television and I said this is enough. I've had enough I've had enough pain of, of double Liverpool wipeout. So I actually made some uncharacteristically early transfers this week and one of them was to get rid of Alexander Arnold. Um you know I think it's a good time when it's Man City next. And it's it's interesting you asked me about Chelsea because that's where I've gone. I've gone for Ben Chilwell. Um and you know just before we started recording there it was 
half time in the Champions League game and the commentator had said it's been six and a half hours since Chelsea have conceded a goal so I think that tells you all you need to know Mendy's made a big difference coming in I think he's a good goalkeeper I think he's actually a good pick I think he's 5.1 million now you know if, if I was to lose Ramsdale I'd probably looking towards Mendy as one of the options but Chilwell just watching him recently and, and particularly at the weekend you know playing extremely high you know getting into the six yard box from open play and it's just a fixture swing as well. When you look at Trent with Man City next and Chilwell has Sheffield United and Newcastle in his next two games, it just felt like a good move. It's it's a downgrade financially, but it feels like an upgrade in a player, you know, an FPL asset at the moment because Chilwell's looking like a better option. So, yeah, I'm all for the Chelsea defence at the moment. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, we were actually saying on a previous podcast, Mark, was that's what I kind of decided this season was I kind of downgraded the Liverpool guys and it was more looking at with Castagne at Leicester when he was fit and um, and the likes of Chilwell were really kind of getting good bang for our buck with, with those guys. It's a little bit of a downgrade, but you're still getting elite attacking kind of defensive options, um, just not at the kind of, you know, and saving yourself that couple of million, which is always very handy um, in, um, in midfield and up front. What about yourself, Kay? What are you thinking on defence? Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely echo Mark's sentiments there uh, about Chelsea. I do think they look the pick at the moment. Um, Chilwell is the, the key pick. Zuma has obviously done very well. I think he's scored three goals. But, um, I mean, he's not a striker. He's not going to score every week. So I, I think while a bandwagon is looming there for Zuma and I I think he's a respectable pick um given that he's cheaper and, and if you need that you know point six or point seven uh price difference fair enough but I, I do think Chilwell is is the key pick there he's looked really impressive um since he's joined it has coincided obviously with their other signings um their other defensive signings um and them keeping clean sheets he's creating a chance like every 40 minutes um and I think his goal threat is sort of on par with, with Zoomers, but um, he just looks the more sustainable threat going forward and um, their clean sheet prospects look really good. So I think for anyone that still has Liverpool defence, which I don't, um, he's he's kind of the one to, to, to go for there. Um, in, in terms of wider defence, it's really hard. Like, you know, we referenced this last week on the, the pod that, Never was, but um, the it, it feels like there's a lot less clean sheets. There's not really in the first seven game weeks for this season. Um, there was an average of 4.5 clean sheets per week. It was 4.83 for the same period last season. So it's not really that much of a difference. Though goals scored is slightly higher. Um, so. You know, we probably can't read too much into that. I just think it's where the clean sheets are coming from, where the goals are coming from this season that's, you know, less predictable um, and, and sort of less in line with what we would anticipate. But, I mean, defence, yeah, it, it it's a bit tricky, but there's plenty of, of cheap options. Um, and I think I think anyone who's got the, the key Liverpool assets, they maybe want to move on. Or equally, people who've got someone like Sice, who is 5.2. Um, he's got questions now over his game time. Wolves also have quite poor fixtures over the next few. He's another one that would be quite an easy move for anyone. So 
I'd certainly be looking there or West Ham if you already have Chelsea. Cresswell looks good too. Yeah, I think one just to come in there, just one other team as well. I think a lot of people will be moving towards, you know, it's been well documented the last few weeks, Man City have got a very yeah. good run from game week 10. You know, two the next two fixtures don't look great on paper for their defenders, at least. But after that, you know, the likes of Diaz, I like him at 5.5. Cancelo, if he keeps his place in the starting 11 as well. And even Walker, you know, someone who gets overlooked by by myself and by plenty of other FPL managers as well over the last couple of seasons, I think is a decent pick this season as well. You know, scored a great goal at the weekend. But yeah, I think Diaz in particular, 5.5. I think he's probably underpriced. You know, he's a Man City defender. You would expect him to be 6 million. So yeah, he's definitely on He's, he's on my radar for game week 10 onwards. Yeah, big uh, big fixture swing away from 10 for Man City. When we'll, all, we'll all be panicking possibly about getting them in. Um, Marzi's topic that he wanted to bring to the table was to do with the Spurs fixture spring. Um, as you mentioned there, uh, Mark, the uh, Man City's fixtures turned for the good from 10, but um, the opposite could be said maybe about Spurs. They've had a very nice opening um, opening few fixtures. The opening nine or 10 games are um, looked quite nice, but after that does get a little bit more tough. Um, would your what would you be thinking, Kylie? Come to you first on it. Um, Son and Kane have obviously been our kind of flavors of the season so far. But um, are you going to stick with them in terms of the um, from you know if they're in form, are you going to kind of stick with them, or are you going to kind of move maybe away from them when those fixtures do change? Um, I I think I probably don't want to carry two of them. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how. This match, obviously, against West Brom goes, and I'm probably still going to have the two just because of other things I want to deal with um, for the City match. But I think ultimately I will probably move one of them. I think there's a few easy options, uh, particularly if you're looking at fixtures uh, from Kane, because you've got, on the one hand, Jesus, who looks to be back, um, and you've also got Vardy, who you know, continues with his exploits despite statistically looking, you know, not a viable option. Um, And they both have good fixtures uh, in the next few coinciding with the relatively poor ones for for Spurs. So I think there's options there. Likewise, people may look to jump onto the um, city midfield if if they have Son. I think I, I haven't fully decided uh, which one would go, and I'm, I'm really going to be watching that. But I, I think I probably will lose one, unless they just, like, blow it out of the park. But they have dialed it back to a sort of more sustainable level the last couple. Um, but I think there could be an opportunity maybe for early movers. It's just a little bit scary because of their ownership. Yeah, it's one of those moves. If you move away from them early and they keep on going, then you'll feel like an awful idiot yeah. um, for... Uh, for jumping at, I'm personally, I'm, I said this season I was going to try to just stick as much as I could, especially players that I'm not camp- captaining, maybe my captains to move a little bit more with the fixtures and um, the potential captains, which is why Kane probably be the one to move for me if I wanted, say, to go to Aguero or someone like that um, from, from Kane. But yeah, as you said there, I think that my plan personally would be to kind of stay stay with them through the City game. And then just see kind of what what the lie of the land looks then, see what city options look great, see is Bruno Fernandez just the one he was the one I kind of decided this season that I was probably going to be going without at his price point. 
Um, but, you know, if somebody like that kind of put their hand up and I felt that the move justified it to move away from one of them. But, um, Mark, what are you thinking in terms of this Spurs fixture swing? Yeah, similar thoughts to Kylie, really, on this one. I've got both Son and Kane, and early thoughts are just keep it simple. Keep them, obviously, for the West Brom game, probably keep them for the City game as well. I'm hoping to bank a transfer in game week nine, leave myself flexible then in game week 10. KDB, you know, pretty sure I'll just go and get him game week 10. And, you know, like like Kylie, I haven't decided which of Kane or Son will go. I don't think we can decide now. You know, we need to see how they look in the next two games because... You know, Kane could go quiet and Son could, could be on fire again and, and we won't want to sell Son then. So I think the key is to, I think we've got to start thinking ahead for that Man City fixture on if you want to get KDB or Sterling. You kind of, some of your transfers now might dictate which ones you can get in game week 10. So it's good, you know, possibly, you know, look at a play around on the transfers page, you know, with a KDB in your team and work backwards to see what you might need to do to be able to get there maybe without taking hits. So yeah, that's my plan. Um, just keep it simple and, and get KDB in losing one of Kane or Son and then probably captain KDB, particularly in those four very nice home fixtures, if it doesn't look like he's going to get rotated too much. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, good stuff. Uh, Kylie, um, we're going to move on to our listener questions. So um, you've got a load of them. We've I know we have a few in from last week as well that you wanted to give a quick shout out to as well. Yeah, absolutely. So so we do have a few. Um, first one up is from uh, David, that's at Lagos Means. Um, and he's asked us what our thoughts are on size, hold or dump. So I'll come to you first on that, Mark. Yeah, it's a tricky one for owners. Um, I think it depends on how you're set up for the for the current game week. If, if you're in a position where you can you can bench him and you've got a decent option and you can save a transfer, I'd probably do that just to give it another week. I seem I think we're saying it every week. We're saying it with Wills. You know, next week we'll know what's happening with her defence. Next week we'll know what's happening with her defence. And we still don't know because you know Saïs has dropped out now. He could easily come back in. You know, it might just have been a, a one game rest. So I think if you can keep him and start someone who has a decent fixture, I would probably hold on to him. Yeah, and actually, I will just jump in there and, and echo that as a size owner. So uh, I've owned him for quite a while. Uh, I did keep him on my wildcard two weeks ago, um, and I brought Kilman in as well. So I was kind of playing playing the game a little bit there uh, with both of them, figuring that one would play. It did work out because I got size clean sheet the week before, um, and this week I got Kilman's and then Lamptey off the bench. But I think I think we still just don't know. So absolutely um a little bit more information if you can is is always helpful um so still on defenders uh i'll come to you don best taa replacement zuma or chilwell we've kind of covered that a bit but what's your verdict yeah for me it's definitely chilwell um and you know we're we're still trying to work out the chelsea defense just how good they are um lampard um as a coach i think he's trying to get the balance right between what what how to keep clean sheets and also to keep the explosiveness in attack um for me zuma is obviously he's he started the season great but you are kind of relying on those goals um whereas with chilwell i think there's a lot more his his set pieces and you know his delivery basically and he, he's, he's going to rack up a decent whack of assists this season 
Um, so Chilwell, yeah, if you can afford him. Now with Zuma, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to, if you did have a free transfer and you wanted to move from, say, Sice across to Zuma, I wouldn't see anything wrong with that. If you, but I wouldn't go for like the double up, for instance. I've seen some people talking about, you know, having a triple up in Chelsea defence. I'd like to see a little bit more on them before I decide that they're worthy of that. Just on that, um, Zuma versus Chilwell as well. Obviously, I've gone for Chilwell, so so there's my answer. Centre backs just don't excite me too much. I think you know it's it feels a bit like chasing points with, with Zuma. You know he's not going to score 16, 17 goals a season. It would be wonderful if he did, but it's not going to happen. If I was going to pay a little bit less than Chilwell this week, I don't think Zuma would have been my second choice. I probably would have went for Bellerin at Arsenal. Been very impressed by him in recent weeks and Arsenal defensively. I thought they were great against Manchester United. Three assists for the season now, just five million. I think he could be a very good option. A good long-term pick, I think, Bellerin. Yeah, I would agree with that because um, Arsenal are looking... I think they've conceded the least amount of goals. Um, Is that correct? I've seen that bandied about a bit. Certainly, they're they're looking a lot more solid at the moment. Um, and he's quite cheap. All right, next question is from Jonathan Strack. That's at jstrack1. Um, and I'll stick with you, Mark, here. So, firstly, what are your thoughts on Foden? And is it time to get KDB in when City's fixtures turn in place of Son or Kane as Spurs' fixtures turn for the worse? So, we've covered that latter part of their bit. Um, but what about your thoughts on Foden? Yeah, I think I think KDB's a no-brainer. You know, we've covered that. Just watching him in the Champions League as well. I think he got two assists during the week. He, just the best player in the league. You know, and I like to own him as much as possible. So that one's a no-brainer. Phil Foden, I haven't had much love for him this season. He hasn't really been on my watch list at any point either. I just I just hate rotation risk players. You know, we've seen it. I don't think he started the last two games. Although I think he was ill in the run-up to the last one, which might explain why he didn't start. I just much prefer, you know, you know, buying players who are going to play 90 minutes or at least close to 90 minutes and just take away the frustration because FPL is frustrating enough without having those kind of players. I've sold Daniel Potence this week as well for the same reason. He got me an eight-pointer, but I'm taking those points and running because every week I fear the team sheet and I just wait for the 60 or 70th minute substitution as well. So, yeah, I just, I'm just avoiding those rotation risk players this season. You wouldn't yeah, be keen I... on my, um, my plan to replace Pulisic with um, Jota so, Mark, no? <laughs> you need to take off your Liverpool shades when you're making that move. Listen, listen. He's he's replaced no, you know he's what? replaced Ronaldo as the best Portuguese player on the planet. You know what? That was a, a very shrewd piece of business by Liverpool. I'm quite jealous actually. You know, just watching him in the Champions League, some of them goals he scored were were, were superb. He's putting serious pressure on Klopp now to include him in that starting eleven. So even I think, you know, I'm down to two Liverpool players now. So I've got that third slot open again. And, and Jot is in my thoughts. Maybe not this week or next week, but what is he? 6.4 million. That's a, you know, it's a ridiculous price for a, for a Liverpool attacker. Even if he gets you 20 or 30 minutes, as we've seen coming off the bench, he's scoring goals. So one to keep an eye on definitely for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I mean, I, I don't have a major problem with the kind of Foden, Jota-esque element of, of rotation risk. Um, but I, th- I think you have to have the appetite for it uh, and kind of you have to be prepared that they will get benched, um, you know, and, and that's the risk that you sign up for uh, with them. You know, you, you do see a lot of people sort of surprised when they get benched and they think that comes with the territory. You're not going to get a City or a Liverpool attacker at that price, um, who, who you know, who, who's got any sort of ability if they're not some form of risk. But 
I do think Jota just sort of looks like in a 10-minute spell he could get something on his current form and the way he's playing for Liverpool. So I think he could kind of change the tune for a lot of us. I mean, to be he's fair, Foden is pretty. To be fair, Foden is not far off that too, though, and he's um, that's true. You know, and that one thing I, I, I personally don't. These attacking players, and especially at that price, I think that um, I'm not going to worry too much about rotation. I think all the players will get rotated with no kind of preseason. I think all of the managers are going to be using their squads as much as possible, and that goes for definitely for the li- people who are fortunate, like Klopp and, and Guardiola, who have strong squads. So um, I think it's just, yeah, as you said, suck it up um, and uh, and just go with it if you go with one of those guys, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so next one uh, is from our good friend Morpheus Fire. So... Um, he says, Ings, Ryan, Jimenez, Mitrovic, uh, with lots of fire uh, emoticons. So, sounds like the place is burning down. He's got two free transfers and is open to a hit. Fire's all over the place. Please advise or send Marzi and Don over to my house dressed as firemen. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> yeah. Not, so, a, not a problem. More. So, what do we think? <laughs> uh, so, it's Ings. Ings, Ryan, Jimenez, and Mitrovic. I mean, obviously, Ings is is the kind of critical uh, mm. issue there because the the injury says he's out for um up to six weeks. Ryan, I believe, was a one off. Well, uh, if I'm the, correct, the, Potter said it's yeah, a rest. Well, the, he did say it was a rest, and then I think in his post match comments, he said something like um, that everyone's playing for a place or under pressure or. You know, comp- you know, he he didn't. You know, it was kind of a little bit of mixed messages as far as I could see because I am a Ryan owner as well. Now I have, um, I have the Aston Villa Martinez on. Um, he's my starting goalkeeper now, but but I I kind of with Ryan. I think personally, I think we need to we gotta wait for a week or two and just see if it is a real benching or if it was if it was just a rest. Um, I can't see how he'd be that exhausted with a few weeks gone in the season. Um, so it might just be that he was trying to kind of protect um, Ryan's confidence if he because he hasn't started the season that well. But um, who are the other players there? He's, 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 he's exhausted keeping all those clean sheets. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Letting in all, uh, all those goals. Um, yeah, so Ings, Ryan, uh, Jimenez and Mitrovic. Well, so he's all his strikers. <laughs> Yeah, so Ings is the only one there that's that is a kind of a fire. So um, um, we did talk about this earlier on, Kylie Wilson um, is. I have him for the last few weeks. Um, he was only actually out of my team for about two weeks, um, and I'm I'm very happy with him at his price. He had a great obviously game week last week, but um, he's definitely for me at that price. He's worth the extra little bit that you have to pay to uh, to get him over the likes of um, of Chaz. Um, more um, Hindu monkeys guy. What's his name? Um, Chaz. Why am Jay I? Adams. Yeah, that's it. Chaz Adams. Why am I thinking Chaz? Chaz and Dave. I was thinking. <laughs> but uh, but no, I that's I Wilson would be the one I would think over Ings. What do you think, Mark? In terms of the um the the replacement for Ings in Have you had Ings in your team? You haven't, have you? No, you should know that because I, I hate the guy. He every every time I own things in FPL the last few years, I, I miss out on all his goals. Mark, so if I was tr- if I was trying to keep up with every weird little petty hate that every um every guy that I know on on FPL Twitter has about some players, we've all but, got someone. <laughs> yeah, we've all got someone. 
every I think every player at this stage is hated by someone in the yeah. community. There's not yeah. many left now. Um, what do I think? Yeah, I think he's got to prioritise things. And uh, you know, four to six weeks out now, I think it's an easy sale. Looking at my watch list, there's actually not too many strikers that jump out at the moment. Wilson, it's hard to argue. You know, um, I hate that guy as well, but it's hard to argue with what he's doing at the moment. You know, every time Newcastle score, you get a notification. You know, it's going to be him. Uh, Bamford, I still like Bamford, even though he missed a lot of good chances at the weekend. But I like that he's getting those very good chances week after week. So I think he's very good value at six million. It's I think it's a hard call actually between Wilson and Bamford. I would probably lean towards Bamford because I've got more faith in. It's an it's a it's a tough one because I've got more faith in Leeds attack, but then I've probably got more faith in Wilson as a finisher because it, it, so it's a tricky one there. So in that case, I think it's a bit of a fifty fifty. So I'd probably just go for the cheaper player and save yourself zero point five. Um, it's interesting because that is my exact debate at the moment. Actually, is is Wilson or Bamford? What I will tell you, and you can take this uh, as you wish, right? But um, my my mum has the most bizarre luck with Wilson. It is beyond comprehension. Every time she has him in her team, he just never stops scoring. Um, so when was his – was it two seasons ago when he just went on that crazy run and he just kept scoring? She had him the whole time. The minute she sold him, he stopped. She didn't really own him last season when he wasn't doing well. And then lo and, a whole, lo and behold, she's running away with him again. Um, so he's like her chief love bug and I'm probably going to buy him just on the basis that she owns him now, just going full irrational thinking because logic isn't working this season. So, uh, sometimes you just have to buy a player to break the player. Yeah. Yeah. This is, well, this is, this is it. And I have, I have been breaking a lot of plays this season, um, to be fair, but I, I do think that Wilson or, or Bamford are, are respectable owners, um, options, particularly at their prices. You can't really argue, uh, argue Bamford's, with that. Bamford's, as much as we're not particularly stat, stat crazy on this podcast, um, I know his stats are, are nuts in terms of his expected goals. He's getting, you know, he gets an awful lot of touches in the box and he, you know, in terms of the stats, um, he, Bamford looks like he has actually got a higher ceiling and, yeah, if you're weighing up Bielsa versus Bruce, it's a really tough call. Like, like which which manager do you really want to have control over your fantasy asset? <laughs> yeah, um, Leeds just look a lot more exciting, right? Um, I'd I'd love an Ailing to Bamford combination every week if if that could happen. Um, okay, so our next question is uh, from who's the Baselli? So that's um, does his benching give me a reason to ditch Ryan, uh, non-playing second keeper? Got two free transfers, but long-term plan is to bring in KDB in game week 10 for Podence. Quite an upgrade. Um, and over time, that will require a downgrade of Trent and Jimenez, which I can still do without hits from game week nine. So I think based on previous comments, I'm, I'm going to guess that... Um, you're probably in support of that, Mark, um, since he's looking at Podent's outfit for KDB, sacrificing Trent. Jimenez doesn't have – Jimenez hasn't looked amazing, let's be honest. Um, you know, he's, he's – Yeah, Jimenez, Jimenez is – go ahead, Don. No, Jimenez, yeah, he's like an expensive version of Wilson, really, at the moment. Now, having said that, that's a bit harsh because Wolves are better than Newcastle, but – um, yeah, he doesn't really look. He doesn't really look like he's 
worth paying the extra little bit for um, for me at the moment. But um, in terms of the defence or the goalkeeper thing there, I mean, Ryan, if I, as we mentioned earlier on, Mendy, if I did have only one keeper and if he didn't want to kind of just take a chance on not having a keeper for this game week just to see what way Ryan is. But Brighton don't look that great defensively anyway, so whether or not he's worth keeping anyway. Like, if you had two for your transfers, you wouldn't see anything wrong with moving it to Mendy from, from Ryan, but I wouldn't go moving from Ryan to, like, McCarthy or something like that um, until we see what the lie of the land is there. But go on ahead there, Mark. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, I would I would agree on the Ryan one as well. Definitely, if you have two free transfers, just let him go. Just let the you know the, the benching be an excuse to let him go because he hasn't been a good pick anyway. He was a bit like my Ramsdale. They've been disastrous picks so far, and I mean you don't want to risk a zero pointer in the goalkeeper position this week. The way I would look at it is, fast forward to game week thirty eight. If you lose your lose your mini league by by one point, if you had just made that Ryan to a a playing goalkeeper, it doesn't matter who it is to get you two points this week. You know it's it's worth it in the long run. So yeah, he's not a good pick anyway. So I would just let him go. Um, and what about Jimenez? We're going to cover that off, I think. Yeah, Jimenez is a he's a tricky one in FPL. I mean he's he's a darling of FPL over the last couple of seasons. So it's always quite hard to let him go. And you know when he does score, he gets you you know, two or three bonus points as well. So his goals are, you know, eight or nine pointers rather than a, than a six pointer most often. I do think, you know, long-term plans there to get Man City assets in as well. I think losing Trent and Jimenez to do that is absolutely fine, especially when you've got strikers like Don mentioned, Wilson's doing well. I like Bamford. You've got a few others around that price as well. And, you know, I think that two million or two and a half million saving on a cheaper striker over Jimenez can go a long way, especially now that Wolves are going into a much trickier run of fixtures. Now, that doesn't mean Jimenez is not going to do well. You know, he could even do, we've seen in previous seasons, yeah, him yeah. do even better against the bigger teams. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. But, yeah, for me, I wouldn't mind letting, letting Jimenez go. Cool. Okay. And what are the best defenders to get for up to $5 million for the next three or four game weeks? So most of the defenders that we've actually covered off in the pod are uh, are over $5 million, Although I think is Bellerin maybe just on, on the $5 billion mark. Um, outside yeah, of that, yeah, out, outside of Bellerin, then uh, do we have any key picks, guys? There's not too many at the moment. You know, like we've discussed, clean sheets are hard to get. Even attacking returns among defenders are hard to get these days. I still quite like Walker Peters. I've had him from game week one. I think he's he's good value at 4.5. The only others I've got here, even though Leeds are conceding a lot of goals, I still like Ailing and Dallas as attacking fullbacks. You know, they're getting the attacking returns, creating plenty of chances and having goal attempts as well. Apart from that, it's West Ham, Kufal. I think Kufal is probably a slightly safer pick than Masuaku, just in case Moyes moves to uh, to four at the back, which could see Masuaku drop out. So yeah, Kufal, Walker-Peters, or a Leeds defender, probably. Well, I, I hope Masuaku doesn't drop out because uh, I picked him up on my wild card and he's been sitting third on the bench waiting for this game week to rise from the ashes and, and deliver me glory. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, I'd echo I'd echo Leeds. I still really love Lamptey, even though he can't keep a clean sheet to save his life. Um, he's just so much fun to watch because he is so attacking and pacey. Um, now he is sort of creeping up to about 4.8, I think. So he's kind of getting out of that range. Um, and you've got similarly attacking uh, options in, in Dallas and Ailing. So that may be off-putting uh, for some people now, but he is another one in the mix. 
Um, so we're still actually on, on defence, a lot of people having uh, issues in this space. So slightly different one, though. Uh, PVA, uh, Mr Patrick Van Arnholt, uh, advice, please. So this is from FPL Oakwell, by the way. Um, so he needs PVA advice. Uh, bought him on the wildcard two weeks ago. Uh, the fixtures are so good, but he's too expensive to be sat doing nothing on the bench. So this is one of last week's questions, actually, um, but still still relevant just in case you've held him. What do we think on PVA? Very tricky. Yeah, I think if you have him, if you have him, you keep him. And if you don't have him, I probably wouldn't buy him. I think that would be my approach there. Watching the highlights of that game at the weekend, he had an assist chalked off for VAR and he had a penalty chalked off um, for VAR as well. So. He, he, he kind of gives a little taster of a, a reminder of what he can do as an FPL asset, but it remains to be seen. I think long term, himself and Mitchell could possibly share game time this season. I think I've heard a few people mention that. Um, he's just quite expensive as well for a Crystal Palace defender. I know there's some talk maybe he'll get the penalties off Zaha now that Milivojevic is out for three games. I think that appeal was turned down today. So, But no, I wouldn't buy him personally, but I think if you have him, you have him, you keep him because the fixtures are good and he could get a run now if Mitchell has still got injury issues. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, okay, so uh, next one, is, it's also from last week. Um, so my question would be, how do you personally get over a bad game week? But I'm actually a little afraid of what the answer might be. And that is from our friend Paul at Skyplay in FPL. So, how do we get over a bad game week uh, when we've had them this season? So that's that's an interesting one. For for my part, I, I've had a pretty appalling start to the season. Um, and honestly, uh, I've just tried to laugh it off as much as possible. Uh, finding the, the humour in some of the absurd things that have happened uh, and then stepping away because particularly when we're on Twitter, when... Uh, you know, those of us who are creating content and then all of you who are consuming it, we're listening to all of this all of the time and it can all seem to be amplified a bit. And so I think it's it's really good um, to sort of step away a little bit. And actually, um, we were all talking about this before we started recording, where with all of these games being shown, that game week is drawn out for everyone. And, and Every little decision is amplified because you've maybe got one player on at a time. Um, so, you know, you, you don't have any distraction from a bad decision. So just try and laugh it off if you can. Uh, enjoy it where you can and, and otherwise step away would be my advice. What do you guys say? Yes, echo what exactly what you said, Kelly. Um, stepping away, it's... It's one of the hardest things to do, but it's but it's the best thing to do. And you've kind of got to get good at doing that on a Monday and a Tuesday after a bad game week. You know, log out of the FPL app if you use it. Uh, you know, log out of Twitter because the last place you want to be if you've had a bad game week is Twitter or or Reddit because you all you see is all the nice big 70, 80, 90 pointers that people post once every six weeks and then disappear <laughs> until they have another one. So, yeah, stepping away, you know, just... Doing something that's completely unrelated to FPL is, is good. You know, read a book, get outside, do something completely unrelated and come back with a fresh head Thursday, Friday. I think the main thing is don't make emotional transfers or emotional decisions. You know, don't don't hit your wild card just because you've had one bad game week. I, I always say the person who wins FPL this season will have a couple of bad game weeks and it's it's how you deal with them which separates, you know, the 
the group from the bad FPL managers. Yeah, just you know, take a step back. Don't rush into transfers for the following game week. And you know, you can. I, I, we always see it. You know, you can have eleven players and they can score twenty-five points in game week seven. The exact same seven players can score, or the exact same eleven players can score ninety-five points the following game week. So just trust your troops. You know, it's it's an unpredictable game we're playing, and you know, you buy players for the long term. Don't go chopping and changing too much after a bad game week. Mm. Yeah, trust trust your troops as a general. But uh, the you know, I hundred percent agree on that. And also, the other thing is too is I think sometimes when, especially when you're a part of the FPL community on Twitter or on a social media site, sometimes it can feel a little bit more important than what it actually is, and kind of remind yourself, I guess, of. It is a little bit of fun, but at the end of the day, your FBL team doing well, doing badly. If you end up in the bottom 100,000 of the seven-something million this season, it's not the end of the world. And nobody's going to, like, realistically, outside of our tiny little corner of the universe, is it's, it's not as important um, as what it might sometimes feel. And I think sometimes if somebody is really enveloped in that community and all they're seeing and on their twitter feed is literally they only follow people who are in terms of fpl content sometimes it can become a bit overwhelming and it can feel like more something more important than than what it actually is so kind of step away from from that as as mark said there in terms of you know maybe maybe step away from the social media sites if it is a thing that all you're seeing in front of you is people's fpl team if your season is going badly yeah, absolutely. And on a, a more lighthearted note, we have a random question from Jeff um, at Austin 66 UK. Okay, so this one is rate yourselves about who would be the most effective at complaining about bad service in a restaurant. Now, I'm on this pod with two Irishmen. Um, Don and I talked about this last week. Uh <laughs> Not the Irish aren't great at complaining in the moment, um, you know. Uh, so I think I, it, I think was... I think I said Mark last week that um, most Irish people will, if they got bad service in a restaurant or something, they wouldn't say a word to the waiter or anyone in it. They'd be probably on moaning and groaning to every single person afterwards, but they probably wouldn't say a word to anyone in the restaurant and they'd leave a tip. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's part, and then black, black in black in the restaurant when you leave it to everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, by default, well, I think I I would have been first choice for this um, anyway. Not that I'm a a, a massive complainer. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, no, I would have. I would just be uh, presenting. I, you know, it's more if they were rude. If they, yeah. I don't like rude people. I, mm. I take objection to it. Um, I would be polite about it, but uh, I you, would also you, be you would be definitely the first person to complain. Um, yeah, and myself and Mark would be sitting there smiling politely, um, and probably apologising. Mm, yeah. uh, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all for our questions for today. Over to you, Don. Kylie, you missed your line. You missed your Marzi line, and he's going to be Sorry. devastated when he hears this. But uh, yeah, we t- he'll take d- it as validation that he's better at delivering the questions. <laughs> you know he will. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we move on to our final section of our show, which of course is our game week plans on Captain Pick. Um, I wanted to quickly remind all of our listeners that it is a 4 p.m. 
deadline this week on Friday. So do make sure that you kind of don't, don't try to just rely that you'll be able to get on and do it at lunchtime on Friday. Maybe just have a quick set on your Thursday evening just to just to do in, in case you do get caught up. Um, come to you first, Kylie, on it. Um, what's your plans and your pick, your captain pick for this coming game week? Um, so my captain, it's, let's be honest, it's between, uh, Son or Kane. Um, they do have the best fixture. While I am happy to, to own Liverpool and City assets, I, I just don't think that I need to get involved, um, in captaining, um, one of them, particularly because, uh, I think West Brom are second worst for big chances conceded, uh, over the, what, last four after United, ahem. Um, so West Brom don't look that great, obviously. Uh, so I think one of them, I have a decision to make between the two of them. I've done well, Captain in Kane, so it probably will not overthink that and just leave it on him. Um, in terms of a transfer, I, I do have, uh, the Lamptey situation to monitor. Um, and I mean, it, it looks like it might be a knock. It's just that I've also got size. So, um, I kind of want to see what, what happens there. Hopefully he's fine. It's a nice fixture against Burnley. Um, so we'll see, but I, I do actually want to make a transfer. Um, and I'm kind of fed up with Watkins and I've determined that Aston Villa just doesn't work for me. Um, they're like a bogey team or something. So, uh, even though I got the, the goal from Watkins last week, his goal involvement is, quite disappointing when you look outside of that penalty um, and the outlier Liverpool match. And so I think I'd rather have um, Bamford or mm. Wilson. Yeah, well, if a team is... It's a bit of a luxury it is, it is, but if a player is um, is making you feel a bit queasy when you're looking at him and you're kind of re- feeling buyer's remorse, then um, it's no it's no harm. Um, he hasn't done a whole lot since since that Liverpool game. Um, Mark, um, I'm definitely going to be on the Kane captaincy as well, and like I mentioned earlier on, um, Pulisic, depending on his injury, probably will be going out for. Um, for somebody, for me, it might be Jota, it could be someone else, but um, Rashford is definitely someone who's appealing um, for for a move from him because I do have a little bit of money in the bank. But um, what about yourself for um, for game week eight? Who are you planning on captaining? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a clean sweep for Spurs guys for us and for most people I would imagine this weekend. I I've got Kane and Son. Son annoyed me last week because all of my other attackers did something and he didn't as captain. So I'm probably going to default to Kane this week. You know, in hindsight, looking back at last week, I had a choice between Kane, Son, or Salah, and I picked the one player that doesn't take a penalty. Um, so I think in the season of penalties, when you've got a 50-50 decision between Kane and Son, I think from now on I'll probably go for Kane, just for that reason. And you know, if Son scores anyway, chances are Kane will be getting the assist the way this season's going. So Kane captain for me against West Brom. Not going to overthink it. Transfers have already been made. Made them on Monday night. Brought in Chilwell for Trent and upgraded Podence to Jack Grealish, who I very nearly bought last week for James. Regretted not doing it. I just think he could be a season keeper this season. Grealish, he's on fire. Very. It, it took a lot for me as an Irishman to bring in Jack Grealish, but sometimes you've got to put your, put your feelings <laughs> to one side. I, I've said that many times in the pod. Um, Mars keeps on saying to me, let it go. 
he definitely fits the talisman theory of uh, for for Aston Villa. All I need to do ne- all I need to do um, next week now is bring in Declan Rice alongside him and then the midfield. <laughs> oh, you should actually hear what it's like. Paul doesn't stop the minute Declan Rice is on on screen. The muttering under the breath and everything. The resentment is still strong. It's so strong. Yeah. <laughs> Not we'll to never, we'll never forget. Yeah, if we if if we don't have our bitterness, we have nothing, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, uh, that's that's it. Um, so your your captain is lined up, and your f- transfers are already done. So you can take the you can take the rest of the week off, Mark. Take the rest of the week off until till COVID issues pop up and injuries pop up in Europe. I'm sure it won't be that smooth. I mean, mm. I've got my fingers crossed, but the way the well, season is going, it's it's pretty risky. Yeah, Was chill, that for chill a free well. Transfer or- yeah, it was two free transfers. I had 0.0 million on Monday. Uh, Grealish has gone up in price now, so I would have been priced out of those moves. Yeah, so, um, nice one. But uh, Chilwell has worked out okay, it looks like, anyway, because he came off after 60 minutes as part of, you know, a three a three-person um, substitution um, for, for Chelsea in Europe. So... Um, so it looks like we've gotten away with that. Um, I I have Chilwell as well, Mark. But um, it's always nice if you go with an early transfer and the guy comes off uninjured um, early in your uh, in the European Cup game. But um, thanks. As long million. as he wasn't um, as long as he wasn't cuddling up to to Havertz over the last couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. True indeed. Um, that's all we got time for on tonight's show. Um, thanks a million, Mark, for coming on. You can find him, of course, at FBL General. Um, Mars, the absent Mars, you can find at Mars05. Kylie, who you can find at KylieFBL. And myself, who you can find at The Marple Curse. Make sure you're following our group accounts on Twitter, Insta, and Reddit at 3 Amigos FBL. Best of luck in game week eight. Adios, amigos. One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo.